Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome to the Tech Meme Ride Home for Wednesday, June 24th, 2020. I'm Brian McCullough. Today, weirdly, it's a day of goodbyes for the Oculus Go, for Olympus cameras, for Force Touch, maybe. Brazil puts the brakes on payments via WhatsApp. Advertisers apply pressure on Facebook via boycott. And what might be the first case of a person wrongfully arrested thanks to facial recognition? Here's what you missed today in the world of tech. The Central Bank of Brazil has told MasterCard and Visa to stop payments via WhatsApp in that country so that it can evaluate the risks and regulations around digital payments. Somebody said early on in the whole Libra rollout that if creating payments as a bigger business was Facebook's ultimate goal, then it probably wasn't a smart move to draw such attention and scrutiny to payments as a business overall. Maybe this is sort of that... Quoting Bloomberg, Brazil's central bank has suspended Facebook's WhatsApp Messenger payment feature in the country, the app's second biggest market with more than 120 million users. The decision aims to, quote, preserve an adequate competitive environment that ensures the functioning of a payment system that's interchangeable, fast, secure, transparent, open, and cheap, the monetary authority said in a statement on its website. Bank authorities requested that MasterCard and Visa stop payment and money transfer activities through the app. A suspension without presenting further arguments is, quote, an unusual, extraordinary move by the central bank, especially in the payments arrangements and technology market, said Tiago Servo Gomez, a partner at Caputo, Bastos, and Sarah, and a specialist in fintechs and banking regulation. The decision is a setback for Facebook, which introduced WhatsApp's payment system in Brazil earlier this month after testing it over the past two years in a handful of markets, including India and Mexico. Payments are a key element of WhatsApp's long-term plan to offer commerce within the app, end quote. Yeah, I don't know that we talked about it, when this launched in Brazil a couple weeks ago, but payments inside WhatsApp is absolutely a crucial strategic goal for Facebook. And to see it get kneecapped right away in the first market it's officially rolled out to is not good. And by the way, we've not really covered this either, but the reason this hasn't launched in India yet, which, as we've seen with discussions with the whole Reliance Geo deals is really where Facebook wants to be in terms of WhatsApp and payments is because Indian regulators have long been throwing up roadblocks along the way for a WhatsApp payment rollout in that country. Sort of in the vein of what I said at the top, quoting Osaratan Victor Asimoda on Twitter, quote, the fundamental flaw in the design of any disruptive technology is to depend on incumbents who can see it coming. Augment first, then replace. Telcos didn't see WhatsApp coming. Banks now do, end quote. And some more bad news for Facebook. There's a growing boycott movement among Facebook's advertisers. It is seemingly a symbolic movement right now. Apparently only intended to be temporary. 
largely to send a message. But the message here is that there are consequences for Facebook around some of the politically tinged decisions that it has either made or not made recently, depending on how you look at it. Ben and Jerry's, Eddie Bauer, and Magnolia Pictures have joined Patagonia, the North Face, REI, and others in saying they will suspend their Facebook ad buys in the month of July to protest what they say are Facebook's amplification of hate speech, quoting the New York Times. In explaining why it would stop advertising on Facebook, Magnolia Pictures said on Tuesday that it was, quote, seeking meaningful change at Facebook and the end of their amplification of hate speech, end quote. Ben and Jerry's pushed Facebook on Tuesday, quote, to take stronger action to stop its platforms from being used to divide our nation, suppress voters, foment and fan the flames of racism and violence, and undermine our democracy, end quote. The freelancing platform Upwork and the password manager Dashlane are also participating in the boycott, which advocacy groups such as the National Association for the Advancement of Colored People and the Anti-Defamation League have promoted with the hashtag, hashtag Stop Hate for Profit. The efforts against Facebook have also gotten support from ad agencies. In an email to more than 50 clients last week, the digital ad agency 360i said it supported the boycott. The Wall Street Journal reported some companies have quietly joined the effort and several ad agencies have developed guidelines for major companies interested in participating, said three people with knowledge of recent discussions who requested anonymity because the talks are confidential, end quote. And sticking with Facebook for one more, Facebook says it will stop selling the Oculus Go which was Facebook's first standalone VR headset, priced at the low end at $199 and which only started shipping last year. Quoting Upload VR, While Oculus Go combined the benefits of standalone VR with one of the lowest prices for an all-in system we've ever seen, dropping to $149 this year before its retirement, the headset also severely limited input options and could only track the rotation of your head, aka 3DOF. Both the Oculus Quest and the PC-powered Rift fully track head position, a.k.a. 6DOF. While Quest sells for $399 and is heavier than Go, the addition of 6DOF tracking for both head and hand movements is a considerable upgrade for both comfort and overall experience. The feature is necessary to play VR's most popular titles, including those from Beat Games, Senzuru Games, and Ready at Dawn, the first three VR-focused game studios Facebook acquired over the last few months. Quote, You've told us loud and clear that 6DOF feels like the future of VR. A prepared statement from Facebook explains, that's why we're going all in, and we won't be shipping any more 3DOF VR products. We'll end sales of Oculus Go headsets this year as we double down on improving our offerings for Quest and Rift, end quote. Facebook removed Go from its business program in January, and an editorial we published last month suggested Facebook's next Quest should try to combine the lower weight of Go with the feature set of Quest and the visuals of a high-end Rift. Late last year, Facebook retired its Rooms social service for Go while only announcing support for its upcoming Horizon social networking service on the Rift and Quest, end quote. Facebook also announced with this news that it will stop accepting new apps for the Go in December, but they will support the system with fixes and patches through 2022. Speaking of quitting, Olympus is exiting the camera business after 85 years. 
It will now instead focus on medical devices and is selling its camera unit to a private equity firm called Japan Industrial Partners. Olympus had been under pressure from the U.S. activist shareholder firm Value Act Capital to improve shareholder returns, and I guess they hope this move will do just that. Quoting the Wall Street Journal, Olympus was a global consumer brand for decades thanks to its cameras, hiring the likes of supermodel Cheryl Teagues to promote its products on television. It shifted readily to digital cameras in the 1990s and was number two in market share behind Sony early this century. As recently as 2007, the dawn of the smartphone era, digital cameras were a $3 billion a year business for Olympus. Within a few years, however, most of the market evaporated because people were using their phones to take pictures. Camera revenue shrank to just over $400 million in the year ended March 31st, and the business has lost money for the past three fiscal years. The company's main product line is now medical imaging devices such as endoscopes, end quote. When you go through airport security, there's one line where the TSA agent checks your ID and another line where a machine scans your bag. The same thing happens in enterprise security, but instead of passengers and luggage, it's end users and their devices. These days, most companies are pretty good at the first part of the equation where they check user identity. But user devices can roll right through authentication without getting inspected at all. In fact, 47% of companies allow unmanaged, untrusted devices to access their data. That means an employee can log in from a laptop that has its firewall turned off and hasn't been updated in six months. Or worse, that laptop might belong to a bad actor using employee credentials. Collide finally solves the device trust problem. Collide ensures that no device can log into your Octa-protected apps unless it passes your security checks. Plus, you can use Collide on devices without MDM, like your Linux fleet, contractor devices, and every BYOD phone and laptop in your company. Visit collide.com slash ride to watch a demo and see how it all works. That's K-O-L-I-D-E dot com slash ride, collide.com slash ride. In 2023, just 10 vulnerabilities accounted for over half of the incidents responded to by our sponsors today, Arctic Wolf Incident Response. Wouldn't you love to know how to take these vulnerabilities off the table and make life more difficult for cybercriminals? That's just one of the essential insights you'll find inside the Arctic Wolf Labs 2024 Threats Report. Authored by their elite team of security researchers, data scientists, and security development engineers, and backed by the data gained from trillions of weekly observations within thousands of unique environments, this report offers expert analysis into attack types, root causes, top vulnerabilities, TTPs, and more. Discover the attack vectors behind nearly half of all successful cybercrimes, why ransom demands climbed 20% from 2023, and find out why 2024 will be an especially volatile year for cybersecurity. Learn more and get your copy now at arcticwolf.com forward slash tech meme. That's arcticwolf.com forward slash tech meme. One more bit of news that shook loose from WWDC this week. Watch OS 7 apparently drops support for Force Touch, a hardware feature that has been available on every single Apple Watch model, at least so far. Now, I know that Force Touch has been disappearing from Apple products generally, beginning with the iPhone, but I have to say the one product where I felt like it made the most sense was 
the Apple Watch. I use Force Touch on my watch every day because it's actually a great way to reveal hidden menus and such. And on a device that's that small, it's, I don't know, I just think it's super useful. Quoting 9to5Mac, in a new version of the Apple Human Interface Guidelines, the company is telling developers to relocate items previously accessed by Force Touch. Firm press and long press in versions of watchOS before watchOS 7, people could press firmly on the display to do things like change the watch face or reveal a hidden menu called a Force Touch menu. In watchOS 7 and later, system apps make previously hidden menu items accessible in a related screen or a setting screen. If you formerly supported a long press gesture to open a hidden menu, consider relocating the menu items elsewhere. For example, you used to be able to clear notifications on Apple Watch by firmly pressing on the display and choosing Clear All. Apple has moved the Clear All button to the top of the notification interface on Apple Watch, meaning you have to scroll up and tap on the Clear All button in Watch OS 7, end quote. Now, does this point to a hardware redesign as well? Because, you know, taking the sensors required to make Force Touch happen out might either allow for a thinner design or gain some valuable real estate that would allow for larger batteries, right? Which might be useful for things like sleep tracking. So, for years, folks have been warning us that faulty facial recognition tech could lead to false matches if used to fight crime, false arrests, the like. Adding to the worry was that facial recognition tech has always had more problems with black and brown faces in terms of accuracy. And sadly, we now have what may be the first known case of its kind. A black man in Michigan was arrested for a crime he apparently did not commit thanks to faulty facial recognition tech, quoting the New York Times. The Shinola shoplifting occurred in October 2018. Katherine Johnson, an investigator at Mackinac Partners, a loss prevention firm, reviewed the store's surveillance video and sent a copy to the Detroit police, according to their report. Five months later, in March 2019, Jennifer Coulson, a digital image examiner for the Michigan State Police, uploaded a probe image, a still from the video showing the man in the Cardinal's cap, to the state's facial recognition database. The system would have mapped the man's face and searched for similar ones in a collection of 49 million photos. After Ms. Coulson of the state police ran her search of the probe image, the system would have provided a row of results generated by NEC and a row from rank one along with confidence scores. Mr. Williams' driver's license photo was among the matches. Ms. Coulson then sent it to the Detroit police as an, quote, investigative lead report. This document is not a positive identification, the file says in bold capital letters at the top. It is an investigative lead only and is not probable cause for arrest, end quote. This is what technology providers and law enforcement always emphasize when defending facial recognition. It is only supposed to be a clue in the case, not a smoking gun. Before arresting Mr. Williams, investigators might have sought other evidence that he committed the theft, such as eyewitness testimony, location data from his phone, or proof that he owned the clothing that the suspect was wearing. In this case, however, according to the Detroit police report, investigators simply included Mr. Williams's pictures in a six-pack photo lineup they created and showed to Ms. Johnson, Shinola's loss prevention contractor, and she identified him. Ms. Johnson declined to comment, end quote. So the Mr. Williams we were talking about there is Robert Julian Borchak Williams, the black man who was arrested for a shoplifting crime. And when he was arrested and brought in to the police station, Mr. Williams 
held the photo generated by the surveillance camera up to his face in the interrogation room. And it was apparently so obviously not a match that he was subsequently released on a $1,000 personal bond, and the prosecutor eventually dropped the case, the case being dismissed without prejudice, I should note, meaning Mr. Williams could later be charged again. And of course, he had to miss work because of the original arrest and had personal embarrassment with family and neighbors, had to hire a lawyer, had to take vacation days to appear in court, even though he was so plainly not a match to even a cursory glance by human eyes that this was a travesty of justice. How many times have we quoted people on the show or had AI experts come on this show to say themselves that for the foreseeable future, we should only rely on AI to augment human judgment, not replace it. Funny enough, though, and understand how I mean that because there's nothing funny about all this, it just so happens that another headline on Tech Meme over the last 24 hours was this, quote, More than 1,000 technologists, including some from MIT, Facebook, Google, Microsoft, and other places, have urged the publisher Springer not to publish a paper that describes a system to predict crime based on faces, quoting Motherboard. The paper describes a system that the authors claim can predict whether someone will commit a crime based solely on a picture of their face with, quote, 80% accuracy and, quote, no racial bias. Quote, there is simply no way to develop a system that can predict criminality that is not racially biased because criminal justice data is inherently racist, wrote Audrey Beard, one of the letter's organizers, in an emailed statement. The letter calls on Springer to retract the paper from publication in Springer Nature, release a statement condemning the use of these methods and commit not to publish similar studies in the future. This is not the first time AI researchers have made these dubious claims. Machine learning researchers roundly condemned a similar paper released in 2017, whose authors claimed the ability to predict future criminal behavior by training an algorithm with the faces of people previously convicted of crimes. As experts noted at the time, this merely creates a feedback loop that justifies further targeting of marginalized groups that are already disproportionately policed. Quoting the letter again, as numerous scholars have demonstrated, historical court and arrest data reflect the policies and practices of the criminal justice system, the letter states. These data reflect who police choose to arrest, how judges choose to rule, and which people are granted longer or more lenient sentences. Thus, any software built within the existing criminal legal framework will inevitably echo those same prejudices and fundamental inaccuracies when it comes to determining if a person has the, quote, face of a criminal, end quote. We've either gotten a bunch of new listeners lately, or a lot of you who went away when the lockdowns happened in March have come back. If you've come back, thank you. If you're new, thanks for joining the Mutant Podcast Army, as we call it. This show has a subreddit, which is at r slash ride home on Reddit. You can tip stories to me using that for use on the show here, or you can tweet at me. I'm at BrianMCC. The show has a YouTube channel called Tech Meme Podcast. We provide links to every show we talk about on here. So if you want to learn more about whatever I just told you, check out the show notes and read the deeper stories there. And by the way, if you want to support the show directly, you can sign up for an ad-free version of the podcast. The link to do that is the very bottom link in today's show notes. Talk to you tomorrow. <laughs>